faithwire.com. It is election day, one of the more important off-year elections in recent history. Today's Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have this top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faith Wire. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. That's what we do here. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. We're here Monday through Friday. We'd love to have you with us. Joining me today is Trey Gones Phillips and Billy Hallowell. Trey's got a look at what's coming up. What's going on, Trey? Hey, happy election day. I'm here in, in Virginia. <laughs> I think I'm the only one of the three of us, right, who's in Virginia. So it's yeah. you know, a big election with everybody looking on. But we're going to talk about uh, Project Lincoln. They they pulled a hoax that's getting a lot of attention uh, at the in, in front of a Yunkin bus. And we'll talk about the disinformation campaign uh, there. And then also atheists are not too pleased with the national prayer breakfast they get you know upset about this often but they're upset about it all over again so we'll talk about that yeah uh, i mean billy these atheists they're 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 always angry about something it would seem this <laughs> this atheist group you cover them often and i and uh, that seems to be a theme it is. And I feel like what I love about the press releases they put out is they always have this like little jab. They always get a jab that they intentionally <laughs> wrote to be a good jab. And so I always get a good chuckle out of what they've what they've written. Uh, but yeah, in, in this case, as Trey was saying, they are going up against the National Prayer Breakfast. And for those who don't know about the Prayer Breakfast, it is an event that happens every year in D.C. It's probably one of the more popular events uh, you get about 3,500 people out there, and I've been to two or three of them. Uh, you end up essentially having a room filled with politicians. The president is always there. Um, every president since 1953 uh, has been at the event, so it's pretty impressive that you can get the commander-in-chief there. Dwight Eisenhower was the first, and down the line, Trump was there, Biden. Um, so it's interesting because Joe Biden had actually really frustrated the Freedom From Religion Foundation back in February when he attended the event. Um, and by the way, it's a bipartisan event, so it's one of the only times that you'll get Republicans and Democrats together to almost you know, really rarely agree on something. You never really see that. And they agree on their faith. And so it's kind of a cool event. But they're upset. They feel that politicians should not be doing this. That they should not be mixing church and state in this way. And they have sent letters out. Okay, they've sent letters out to everybody. Not they faxed them, which I love. I think they've also emailed them to any person in Congress who has sponsored the event. And I believe that's over twenty people. They they sent letters to them asking them to no longer participate, to not co-sponsor this event. And uh, they, but I want to just read their their line uh, because it's it made me so happy. They said <laughs> their God doesn't give a fig for their mimosa driven pleas. And you know they spent a lot of time on that line. Uh, so so there you go. But yeah, but yeah, and here. And here's why it matters, right? It matters because this is an event. Obviously, there's a huge historical significance to it. This is something that has brought people together very rarely, again, from both sides of the aisle. And I think I don't think this is going to have a, a long-lasting impact, these letters, but there's a reason they're ramping this up. They're seeing secularization in the culture, and they're hoping to intimidate at least one or two people, I would assume, allegedly, so that those people will pull back from this and they can start to erode um, the influence of this event. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it is uh, you. I know you're. Normally, I used to laugh, Billy, at some of these activist groups and the efforts that they made. But you just you can't help but think that momentum's kind of on their side when it comes to culture and trying to, you know, boot God out of the way wherever He's mentioned uh, in culture. So uh, you know, I can see why they're emboldened to continue doing this. 
Well, yeah. And and the polling is showing that that is exactly what's happening, right? The nominal Christians are walking away. And you'll see, if you pay attention to the Freedom From Religion Foundation and these other groups, they are constantly praising those studies and those findings because it's exactly what they want to see happen in culture. As far as whether or not this is an illegal gathering, <laughs> uh, you know, clearly it's been happening for decades. They're claiming yeah. that it's not legal, that it's a violation of the Establishment Clause. I don't think that's that's accurate, but that's going to be their argument. And, you know, like one of the things that whenever I see stuff like this, uh, one of the things I, I've noticed over the years is the way that religious people are painted, right? Like it becomes progressively yeah. more fringe like they're right they're they're like kind of cultish and they they have weird you know they have these otherworldly views on things so it's like if they can move the goalposts on what you know general culture general society thinks yeah. of these groups and they just do it a, like an inch at a time over several years then when they make these claims and they and they do it over and over and over again like both of y'all mentioned as they make these claims more and more it becomes like well maybe they're right because after all this christian group does think this x like crazy thing um so it's just it's it's like a slow burn um but i certainly agree with you dan like it seems as if unfortunately the momentum is is in their direction uh but i do think still there are enough people like when it when it first happens they know like ah, oh, this doesn't quite pass the smell test yeah. um so i think it's just up to enough people kind of standing up in these individual situations and saying that's that's too far-fetched like that's ridiculous yeah. the prayer breakfast is not this awful thing <laughs> right well yeah again it's one of the only times you see nancy pelosi i mean to watch nancy pelosi <laughs> and republicans gather together, together on the yeah. stage right i mean it's 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 the bizarre. only time they'd be together right, you know? right. exactly right not and, fighting yeah and then you know you have democrats like joe biden saying they're good catholics and stuff so this shouldn't be something that they would be you know appalled by you'd think it's something like you said that would be at least one of the few unifying things there in D.C. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see what happens there. We'll keep an eye on that. Thanks, Billy, for bringing that one uh, to us. And we are going to move on to it is Election Day. And um, uh, obviously it is, I guess, quote unquote, an off year election. I mean, not the midterms. It's not a presidential year. It's kind of an in-between. So you're not going to have the turnout that you typically do. But there are some huge races going on right now in particular ground zero appears to be virginia and the race for the governor's seat there uh, between uh, republican challenger uh, you know glenn youngkin and a uh, democratic nominee uh, terry mcauliffe who was the uh, governor of uh, virginia previously but they have a rule there that you can't serve consecutive terms so he had to sit it out while uh, northam was in office there for one term and then uh, now he's trying to run mcauliffe is and trying to come back so but interestingly it's been very close and some polls even show youngkin ahead um so that's got a lot of democrats on that side of the aisle very worried because this is the first uh really big election since joe biden took office so a lot of people are thinking okay you know we've been pushing these things we've been pushing uh build back better and all this big spending and um, you're seeing a lot of stories about things like critical race theory or, you know, radical ideas like replacing police departments with public health departments and um, just all these huge changes. And um, you're going to see uh, potentially in Virginia where really the school board um, kind of controversies and the school board outrage. Ground Zero has been Loudoun County, Virginia, yeah. most of the most of the 
you know, angry parents you see are there because they're frustrated. And it's not just a bunch of Republicans speaking out. You have things like explicit sexual content being found in, in the, these schools. Uh, and then Terry McAuliffe has the unfortunate sort of angle where he said, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach, which uh, is doesn't seem like it's the message that's going to resonate right now with Virginia voters. And so I think a lot of people, though, outside of the state of Virginia are looking in and watching to see what happens because we have a big midterm election coming up, guys. And, uh, you know, if critical race theory, if some of these radical ideas on police departments and policing and things like that, if those if there's a wide, you know, spread sort of repudiation of those um, kind of issues that are going on, if it's clear that voters are not fans of these things, I think you're going to see the narratives change very quickly across the media, across the country, on social media, et cetera. I think you're going to see that all change very soon. If what happens that even if it's close and Young can lose, this is a race. Remember, Biden won Virginia by 10 points, by double digits. Yeah. Um, and so Virginia is one of these states that over the years has gone kind of one from one side to the other. But um, it was very solidly blue in 2020. So I think a lot of alarm will be found on the Democrat side of the aisle if uh, if this is close or especially if Youngkin wins a race that McAuliffe really should should be winning. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see because Virginia is kind of it's it's it is an odd state in that where we kind of serve as a bellwether, uh, con like conventional wisdom says whatever the you know gubernatorial election is in Virginia, because it comes one year after the presidential election right. is either an endorsement or a referendum on whatever's happening nationally, you know, whatever the policies are in the White House. So it'll be interesting because it could be foreshadowing uh, what's to come. But um, like you said, Dan, even if it's not um a victory tonight for Yunkin. If it stays close, and it looks like it's going to be close, regardless of who pulls out the win, um, that certainly sets the tone. I think for what Democrats need to maybe work on and maybe tone back, and, yeah. and you know, because I think it, it it just serves as an indicator of what the what the temperature is uh, of the country. Because for years now. Um, Virginia has gone blue. I mean, even in 2016, uh, Hillary Clinton barely won, but she still won Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then, uh, like you said, Joe Biden won it uh, last year. So it, this would certainly be a reversal uh, from the trend, even if Youngkin doesn't win, but makes it close. Uh, yeah. So it's an interesting race to watch. Yeah, yeah. real quick, uh, uh, Billy, before you hop in, I just wanted to go through to your point about the presidential race in Virginia, and then the uh, gubernatorial race right after it. I mean, you go yeah. back to 1976, and Ford, he uh, lost, um, obviously, to Carter. And so then the Republican won in 77. In 80, Reagan won. In 81, the Democrat won uh, governor's seat in Virginia. 84, Reagan won again. In 85, it was heavily blue uh, for Virginia uh, governor. Uh, George H.W. Uh, Bush 1988 won uh, handily, and then the Democrat won in, in Virginia there for, for governor. 1992, uh, uh, Bush lost, and then George Allen won the governor's race, uh, the Republican. Dole loses in 96. 1997, then Gilmore comes in, a Republican. Uh, George W. Bush wins Virginia, and then the uh, a Democrat wins the governor's race. George W. Bush in 04, he wins. That's Kane comes in and wins a Democrat uh, in 2005. Obama in 2008, he wins. 2009, um, 
the year later is the Republican uh, uh, governor of Virginia. And then Obama wins and then McAuliffe wins. So that kind of bucked the trend there. Yeah. Uh, McAuliffe won with, along with Obama. And then when Clinton lost, then the pattern picked back up and you had Northam. Uh, so we'll see what happens this time. But, um, you know, usually it is the opposite, except for that one time with McAuliffe. But so it is McAuliffe that actually broke the trend. So that's the other <laughs> right, interesting yeah, factor. Of this, right? so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes him so compelling. Right. That That's what a lot of people have said, that he was the one who broke that trend. So who knows how it's going to go. But I was just going to say it's fascinating to kind of look at these issues. Usually you, you look at the economy, you look at just do people have money in their pocket or not? There's all different yeah. you know, issues that play in. But but. COVID was such a massive thing and the changes that it had over people's lives. Mm -hmm. It's not that shocking to me that education because of that is such mm -hmm. a big issue right now. And you've got polls showing that 80% of, you know, American parents more generally outside of Virginia, just the entire country are very concerned um, about what their kids are learning in public schools. That is a really shocking statistic. And I think you're going to see this actually play out in national elections moving forward as well. Yeah, I mean, I think over the last year and a half, parents have gotten a window into something they would otherwise not have been able yeah. to see with all of these kids in Zoom and Skype classes. And so they were able to see like firsthand the kind of content their kids are getting. Uh, that certainly has been the tenor of the debate in Loudoun County and why so many parents have been upset because they're kind of had some shock because they're being exposed to stuff that's been happening for years, uh, but they weren't really exposed to it or they kind of dismissed it because they weren't seeing you know, what, what really is going on here? They just kind of like, ah, oh, it's just word of mouth, and then you're probably exaggerating. But now they're seeing it, uh, and their reactions have been uh, obviously a bit uh, a bit different. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, all right, so uh, again, we're sticking with the Virginia gubernatorial race, and we're going to talk about the Project Lincoln hoax. Now, this is a few days old, uh, but there's been continual updates over the last several days. So Project Lincoln is an anti-Trump group uh, they they've sprung up during the presidential elections uh, and have, have just stuck around uh, no matter how embattled they seem to get uh, so but anyway a group of five demonstrators wearing khakis and white button-up shirts carrying tiki torches lined up in front of a Yunkin campaign bus uh, just a few days ago uh, they were obviously trying to replicate images from the violent unite the right rally in Charlottesville in 2017 uh, the, there were a lot of white supremacist groups and proud boy type groups that were were at that rally. So they were trying to, to be reminiscent of that. Uh, pretty much immediately, though, conservatives on social media raised questions about it because they just thought it, this doesn't look right. It doesn't pass the smell test because, uh, you know, it just seemed so unnatural. There's these five guys that we haven't had any issues like this in Virginia uh, so far in the race. Yunkin hasn't had any like, uh, you know, white supremacist groups or people showing up at his, at his rallies. Uh, and then right toward the end, there's this group of five people standing and, you know, they're doing it so, uh, you know, front facing just standing in front, front of a bus so it just seemed unnatural and people started asking questions about it a couple days later the anti-trump group like i said lincoln uh, project uh they took responsibility for the hoax and they said that it was them who did it and they were trying to to send a message uh, a couple days uh, after that james carville a longtime democratic strategist he tried to defend the stunt oh, and he said it was to illustrate a point <laughs> and that it was completely valid for them to do that because they were just trying to illustrate uh, a point about the republicans being so tied uh, to white supremacy uh, but it's been part of here's the interesting thing to me is like we've talked over the last several years since Trump really about disinformation and misinformation. This thing spread it on wildfire 
uh, on social media like wildfire. Like it was all over the place with journalists just running with it uh, when it all turned out to be completely fabricated. Like it was, it was not legitimate at all. Uh, so that's been, you know, a, the Project Lincoln has been, or Lincoln Project has been targeting the Youngkin campaign for weeks now. Uh, and this is just the latest thing. And what's interesting is that we don't frame this as misinformation or disinformation. Like it's just, it, it kind of comes and then it goes. Uh, even the journalists all across the country latched onto it. Uh, but it's not something we see as like, Oh wow, we really need to 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 tamp down this disinformation campaign. It's just like, oh well, that's just all an, a one-off thing. Uh, well, let's say so, it was true. Even if even if it was sure. true, I mean, like, okay, Hillary Clinton, the father of the Orlando shooter, showed up to one of her events in 2016, right? I mean, let's say these people yeah. were legitimate and they and they came. Just because somebody shows up to your event does not mean that you're endorsing everything that they say exactly. you believe. And I think that's another problem with all of this that plays out in the press. Yeah, no, I think so too. And a lot of times, like there is even someone at a, at an event in Loudoun County that Yunkin had last night, uh, who was wearing a a, a a jean jacket that had a. Um, a confederate flag on the back of it uh, and it didn't get any nobody talked to this guy nobody got any information about him didn't get his name or anything but several journalists both local and national uh, picked up on a picture of him that was taken and they just put it all over their social media saying this guy was at the at the Yunkin rally last night uh, and several conservatives are pushing back and saying that one like you said billy if if he's there legitimately okay whatever that Yunkin has no clue he's there. Uh, you know that doesn't that doesn't say anything about Yunkin's positions, his beliefs, uh, his ideology at all. Uh, and two, is there no intellectual like curiosity here? Like, do you not want to talk to this person, get information about him? So, uh, you know, it just it, it, I think it 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 furthers the belief that so much of the media is kind of operating from a, they've already got this perspective. They made they've made this assumption about conservatives, uh, and this is what they're going to roll with, and everything just kind of confirms that it's just confirmation bias yeah mm -hmm. yeah and i think it's why they keep again that's why the you know atheists keep pushing these narratives that's why democrats yeah. keep pushing these narratives because eventually i mean especially when you have a lot of the cultural institutions kind of it generally speaking backing you up whether it be hollywood or um you know music industry star whatever the case may be uh, it just starts to reinforce these these beliefs, you know. Why why aren't you a Republican? Why why are young people typically less Republican than adult, you know, grown adults? Is because well, I don't want to be one of those Republicans. They're racist and they're you know, they don't <laughs> like immigrants and just all these narratives that are that are false, but um, but still get constantly um, pushed around out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and Americans have had problems with all of those institutions for a very long time. None of this is new. It's just all sort of coming to a head right now. Yeah. Um, here's a story, guys. Uh, we got time for a couple more headlines here. I wanted to bring up one. I was watching an interview yesterday with Alec Baldwin, not Alec Baldwin's, but somebody in the Alec Baldwin, you know, that tragedy where he accidentally shot someone on set of on the set of a movie. Uh, it was the attorney for the I think the assistant director. And boy, was there some tap dancing going on there. I don't know if either of you guys saw this. Uh, they were on, uh, she was on Fox News with Martha McCallum, I believe. And Martha just kept asking, well, did your did your client hand him the gun and not check it or not? That's what he said to police afterwards. And she's like, well, here's what I can tell you. And she just would not answer the question and, you know, kind of did this mm -hmm. little dance. So it's very interesting to me, though, guys. I wanted to see if you followed this story at all or... Um, 
you know, if you if you've seen any of because Alec Baldwin did come out and finally speak. Um, he was, I think, trick or treating with his kids, and so uh, they got accosted by media, which I'm not a fan of. But he's sitting there answering these questions, and um, you know, in the midst of this tragedy, and it's I don't know how I feel watching these people try to defend all their actions here, and I still don't really know what to make of what happened. Where where are you guys at on this one? You know, here's here's my thing. I feel like we love in our culture to, to seize on people's misfortune. When something happens, we are suddenly the experts on it. It's like we were there. <laughs> right, right? Right. We're like tweeting about it. We, <laughs> nobody knows what happened. I had people messaging me, at, you know, he should be in jail, you know, Baldwin, immediately after. And I'm like, well, how, wh- what <laughs> information do you have that makes you, well, you never point a gun at somebody, you know? And it's like, well, yeah, obviously we that's part of gun safety. But if you're filming a movie and it, and let's say somebody hands you a gun and says that it's cold and your job is to point the gun at somebody in the movie and you're practicing that, if all of that is true, well then yeah, you would point it at the camera because that's part of what you're doing. So I think we don't know enough to be making any kind of judgment at all. And yet here we are people on both sides. He was innocent. He's guilty. Nobody knows what happened. Wait for the details. That's where I am. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's advice that we can really apply to everything in life, right? Like, because I think we, since we have social media at our fingertips, like on our smartphones, our iPads and tablets, whatever, we constantly feel this pressure. I have to have an opinion. And not only do I have to have an opinion, I have to share it. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's like, you want, you, you, you can have an opinion and it's also okay if you don't have an opinion. Like it's okay if you don't know what you think about something. Like there's no reason to know what you think about right. everything all the time. Like that's, that's pretty unnatural, isn't it? Like what if we like imagine before social media and somebody came up to you and said like, this is before Twitter, like, Oh, you have to have an opinion on every single national headline that's that's making news right now and he's like i don't even know what all the headlines are that are making news right now uh, so we're we're inundated with way too much information and we're we're requiring ourselves it's a it's an artificial pressure we're putting on ourselves but we're requiring ourselves to formulate these opinions in in seconds uh, and yeah. then sound off about them uh, when like billy said we don't have all of the facts we don't have all the information and sometimes even if we do have an opinion that that we believe to be right or or we have the facts or whatever it doesn't always mean it needs to be shared, you know, that we can just sit back and observe and learn from something. Uh, and I think this is a perfect example and a perfect opportunity for us to do that, particularly as believers, is just to be discerning in the kinds of, you know, the ways we talk, the way we interact about the story, because it's tragic all around, regardless of what the situation was. Uh, and uh, on the other end of stories, and this is a perfect example. We always have to remember there are human beings, right? Mm-hmm. They're human lives. And these people have feelings. They've got emotions. Uh, and certainly Alec Baldwin is not immune uh, to that and to the fact that he's dealing with a lot of, I'm sure, competing feelings himself. This is a, an awful thing to have been a part of. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we also assume the worst because right. he's Alec Baldwin. Right? It's like if you don't <laughs> like somebody, I don't like many of the things he's said and done. And I don't agree with some of the things he said about guns in 2018. But why is it that we just and well, we know why it's social media and it's just sort of the state of our culture that we have to tear that person down immediately and assume the hmm. worst. Oh, he must have meant to, like it's just it's almost insane the level to which people will take these things. And they're even, you know, he's out eating with his wife. He's having a non-alcoholic beer. Like, what? who cares? cares let the guy like process what he, yeah. what's going on and be a human all right let's uh we got time for one more here guys let's talk about uh haiti uh trey i saw you wrote about this yesterday um yeah. and that i mean we still have these missionaries 
I, the last I saw, the media is sort of, you know, they get bored of these things and they move on. Uh, but they're still being held, are they not? Yeah, they're still uh, they are still being held right now. The FBI, uh, the 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 Department of Defense, all that they're still working on on coordinating, or the State Department, I should say, are still working on coordinating with with Haiti, and then their team there in, in Haiti is working on it. But those those hostages are still. Uh, in the custody of the gang, and there hasn't been a whole lot of updates. The only mm. place that we're getting consistent updates uh, is from uh, Christian Aid Ministries, yeah. uh, and they're pretty vague at this point. A lot of them are just calls for more prayer, and you know they, that they haven't learned anything in great detail. Um, so yeah, there's not a whole lot known uh, about what's going on right now, and it does seem as if the media has kind of moved on. And I think some of that is the fact that there's not a whole lot of new information. Yeah. Um, but two, we don't necessarily prioritize these stories uh, the way we should. Like certainly as, as Christians, uh, they should be prioritized. And that's why we try to cover them at CBN and Faith Wires, because it, it's good as believers to know not just what to pray for, or not just who to pray for, but how to pray, you know, what we should be praying. Uh, and that's that that's important. And that's why we try to provide that information. Mm. Yeah, it's very a uh, very sad situation indeed, and we'll continue to uh, lift them up in prayer, and um, you know, hopefully that there is actually some sort of resolution uh, happening yeah. in that case very soon. All right, guys, that is all the time we have for today. Appreciate uh, Trey, you and Billy being here, uh, and uh, we will be back here tomorrow after this crazy election night. Don't forget, you can tune into our uh, live coverage of the all the election news going on tonight. Uh, at 8 p.m. on all of our social media channels and the CBN News channel, CBN News YouTube, and on Facebook as well as Faithwire. So God bless. We'll see you back here tomorrow.